everybody, and welcome to the Green Pod, the number one environmental advocacy podcast in the world. So usually we try to advocate for the average citizen to go greener and live a more environmentally friendly lifestyle, but we're going to switch things up today and look at a topic that's been coming up in the going green scene recently, but it's one that's directed to both consumers and developers, and that's green building, specifically in terms of real estate. So when you think of things polluting the environment the most, you tend to think of things like transportation and factories, big planes, big smokestacks, that kind of stuff. But surprisingly enough, real estate accounts for around 40% of all carbon emissions globally. Now, there are a host of problems associated with the traditional methods of real estate development. So to encourage developers to make their developments more carbon friendly, as well as to advocate to the people buying the properties to go in search of greener buildings, we have our guest joining us for today. She is a recently certified lead green associate and also happens to be my sister, but she's an expert on today's topic nonetheless. So let's welcome Miss Uma Baterkine. Hello. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're trying to accomplish in the green building world and maybe try to give us a better idea of what lead is exactly, please. Sure. So I am a real estate investor. I am an investment strategist and an ESG specialist. What that means is that we look at our real estate investments from an environmental and social perspective as well. And so we invest in real estate on behalf of institutional clients. So we manage about $16 billion that we invest in real estate, but we try to do it more sustainably in a way that is more socially and environmentally aware and just. And LEED certification means that buildings have been certified by the U.S. Green Building Council's framework to make them more sustainable environmentally, to be more inclusive as part of the local communities. And so you can get various different types of certifications through that process. Interesting. So uh, I know that a lot of traditional real estate development includes energy used from non-renewable sources and the development aspect of it as well includes materials that aren't very environmentally friendly. Uh, what do you think are some of the environmental concerns that traditional development poses and how do you think that green building, as you've described, can help alleviate those concerns? Um, so you mentioned energy usage. There are lots of different ways to use more renewable resources at different buildings, things such as installing solar panels on site. Um, and you can also promote more energy efficient types of practices by using things like smart thermostats or using more energy efficient appliances to help reduce the energy that's used at the building. Um, from a development perspective, you can try and reuse a lot of materials that you have on site if you're redeveloping a certain property. Or if you are building a brand new property, you can think about how you source your different materials and the carbon footprint associated with that sourcing. So it's much more environmentally friendly if you're able to source things and the materials locally where they don't have to really travel as far. And so that 
the transportation carbon footprint for those resources is much lower than if you had to get materials from across the country and then transport them all the way to your building site. That's a much more environmentally unfriendly way of developing new buildings. Interesting. Thank you. Um, additionally, uh, I understand there are a lot of socioeconomic concerns that traditional development poses, especially in big cities. I'm aware that underprivileged people forced to live in areas of public housing where, where there's little greenery, they're subject to factors like heat island effect. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that and maybe one or two other factors that debilitate people of lower socioeconomic status and maybe go into how green building can help to alleviate those problems as well? So heat island effect basically is a function of urban development, which tends to absorb heat instead of reflecting heat. And so areas that have much more urban development, less natural environments will tend to absorb more heat. And so the temperatures in those areas are much higher. So even if you look at an urban center with less trees and greenery and compare that to that same city's slightly more suburban area that has much more greenery, you'll notice a much bigger difference in temperature. And typically in the summers when things get even warmer now because of climate change and global warming, it gets even warmer. And so you think about the types of people that live in potentially those areas with less greenery and less natural environments have significantly higher gas and energy bills in the different seasons to control the temperatures inside their homes more. And obviously you're asking people who potentially might not have the ability to pay a higher air conditioning bill to have to do something like that. So that's that's not necessarily the best thing in the world. Um, there are ways in which legally people of different race and ethnicity have been excluded from even being able to own land, for example. In California, there have been many instances of that. Or even if you think about in the southern states where a lot more hazardous and toxic manufacturing for oil and gas types of companies happens, those facilities, the manufacturing facilities, tend to be located in neighborhoods that are primarily made up of people of color. And so there are many ways like that where you see various different um, social injustices that you see within the, the building and the urban development um, landscape that that make people of color a little bit worse off. How do you think that uh, a shift towards more environmentally friendly building, green building can help solve that? So obviously, if you're creating buildings that are more sustainable, that are healthier for the environment, that helps create a much more healthy environment for the people that are living in it. And so through that, hopefully you can help transform some of these areas into becoming healthier, better spaces to, to occupy for everybody around. Thank you. Um, I mean, with all these different factors from traditional development, that are different in green building, this, this has got to be more expensive, right? I mean, as a developer, I'm sure one wouldn't want to pay so much more to build the same product. And I mean, from a consumer perspective, I wouldn't want to pay more. 
uh, when I could potentially get a bigger house for the extra money that I'd be paying. Why should uh, why should developers and consumers both be encouraged to promote green buildings rather than traditional developments? So green buildings typically on average only cost about 2% more to build, but over the lifetime of the building itself, because these green buildings tend to be more energy efficient, you'll save a lot of money on your actual expenses as it relates to your energy usage at the site. And so over the life cycle of that actual building, it typically actually doesn't end up being more expensive. So even though it's a little bit more upfront than over the entire time that the building's being occupied or maintained, it's you're saying it's gonna be less expensive than traditional development? Yep. Well, I never knew that. Interesting. Well, I understand that there are policies in place at local or state levels in, I'd say around 13 or 14 states that adhere to lead standards, that enforce lead standards. But from how you've been talking about the subject, it seems that there needs to be a more widespread effect since there is rapid climate change, global warming. How do you propose that we make a change in that sense in making these policies more widespread? And who with the power to make that change would you direct this message to? So this is definitely something that would need to happen at a federal level in order for it to be much more widespread. It has already been enacted, like you said, at various different local and state levels. But if we were to see something at a more federal level, you'd be able to see a much bigger impact pretty quickly. Um, For example, in New York City, there is local law that requires buildings to reduce the carbon emissions by certain percentages by a few different years. And so they have a 2024, 2030, 2050 targets. And if you don't meet those targets, you get very significant fines. And so if we start to see that type of implementation more broadly across the country, we would definitely see much swifter action towards creating much more sustainable built environments. Who do you think has the power to implement these changes? This is something, like I mentioned, has to come from policymakers. Policymakers are influenced by what their constituents really want, right? So if you as an individual really care about this, you can reach out to your state representatives, you can reach out to your local representatives and ask them to look into these types of measures and think about implementing these across your communities, across your state, and then also hopefully nationally. So the people in the communities have just as much of an impact on promoting this as much as the policymakers is what you're saying? Yep, because we elected the policymakers, right? That's how this country works. And so they have to do what we are asking them to do as our representatives across different government organizations. And so this is something that all of us can advocate for. Well, you heard it there, folks. So it's just as much your job as it is the higher ups to make this change happen. Well, I want to thank you for coming on today. This has been a very productive conversation. And uh, that's it for the pod today. Thank you.